0: Shalom Aleichem and welcome back Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brat what a treat to get to speak to you again during Masef Tashagiga we've gotten a lot of feedback people have asked they hear you go through gedolim and Machab very quickly and they ask please could you slow down talk about some of the ones you mentioned a little more by Richos, give us some more background. So here we go. We're gonna pilot this type of episode of talking about a specific gadol. And today, as promised, we're gonna this we're gonna discuss and speak about Elia Gutmacher. And we're talking about him now because he has svarim on Chagiga, which are a little bit more well known. And we're gonna discuss you know, how certain gadolim people don't really know about they become hidden and they get discovered later on. And he's one of them, Elia Gutmacher. So. Rabbi Eliezer, why don't you start with a brief bio? Who he was, when did he live, when was he born? Who were his colleagues? Before you get into the details.
1: Okay, so Rabbi Gutmaner. By the way, of, by the way, of introduction is many gedolim during their lifetimes are famous, and as we're going to see, Rabbi Guttmacher was extremely famous, but afterwards, almost completely forgotten. When giving an example of such a, of, of a Gadol that was very famous in his lifetime, and then afterwards becomes forgotten. I like to always talk about Rabbi Ram Peseler, the dying of Vilna after the Gora dies, who basically comes onto the scene in Vilna in about 1802, or somewhere around that time. And then for the next 30-something years, he's the Gadol, one of the gadol hadar of all of Europe, um, but, and everyone knew of him at that time, Afterwards, he, after he dies, slowly, slowly, he's forgotten about by most people. Today, the way people hear about him, there's always a, many rabbanim somehow on Rosh Hashanah at night, or somewhere on Rosh Hashanah, mix into a speech somehow, the famous shaila, if someone forgets to say HaMelech HaKadosh, on Rosh Hashanah at night, if you have to go back, it's a Kiddush of, of Ram Abla that you do not have to, brought down the Chai and the Mishnaburah, and he was a good friend of the Chayyadim, so some of his halachot were recorded by the Chayyadim, and that's how he sadly um, is known. But in his time, he was a tremendous gadol. More recently, Machon Yeshalayim printed some material that they have of his, but purport, from what we from what's understood, he had much, much more out there. So Rabbi Gutmacher also as we'll see, is also we'll see that he was a very famous gadol in his time, and he pretty much gets forgotten about, and we'll discuss. Throughout this presentation, how he sort of came back on the scene a little bit. Okay, now, during the corona, um, for some people it's still going on, uh, depending on where you are, depending on v- all different things, but there was a famous letter of Rebecca Vega that was quoted unbelievable amount of times. In the beginning of corona, I actually tried to keep track of all the different ways how it was being used. It was used in all different sides and different arguments, different conversations, different aspects, and maybe one day he'll try to write up about it. But Rebbe vega wrote a letter where he gave advice how for how to deal with, um, at that time, the, the, the plagues that had been going on, killing people, what to do, advice, practical advice, had a daven and shul, all these things. Who is this letter written to? So almost no one focuses on it. was written to the young Rebbe Gutmacher, and Rebbe vega calls him did. Now, who who is that? This is our Rebellio Gutmacher. He was a very young rav at the time. He's born in 1796, and it seems he's one of the greatest talmidim of Rebbe Kiver. Although we don't know, we know Rebbe Kiver had hundreds and hundreds of talmidim, but we don't know much about all the different talmidim, different biographies of Rebbe Kiver, and there are many try to track down various Talmidim, um, list them, but we don't know more than sometimes if they're a Talmud or not. Throughout, I hope to deal with more discussing his relationship with Rebbe Kiviger later on. But he becomes a Rav and Falshin, and then eventually in Gretz he dies in 1874. So he, has an, he, he lives a nice, he's pretty active for a while. Okay, now, what he's famous, where people might have heard of him, is a Niyanim of Eretz Yisrael. He's, he's on the same side in some aspects with, with Kalasher, Niyanim of Eretz Yisrael and I'm not going to be focusing on this aspect at all due to time limits. Rabbi, K- Rabbi Tzvi Kalsher was also a Talmud of Rabbi But besides for that, if you look around, you will not find so much in his lifetime, him coming up in print literature so much, but he seems to have been a well-known German gadol at the time.
0: Okay, so what were the svarim that were printed v'chayev? A couple of svarim printed v'chayev. Until later on, more recently, um, they started printing a lot more of
1: his taira okay so basically it's interesting is he seemed to now we could say with the information that we have today we know he was very very prolific but he does not print much in his lifetime towards the end of his life in 1873 he prints a sefer called Nachas Tzvi this sefer has four swarm. one is a sefer called Nachas Tzvi which is a sefer of his son what happened is he had a son he had a few children but his oldest son was very harsh of a person his name is Ratzvi who actually took him over? Took over to be the rav of Falshin before, after when he went, went to Grets. Um, anyway, he died is tragically at the age of fifty three without children. In the year eighteen seventy one, so Rebelli gomacher wanted to uh, print something of his of this Ratzvi. So he printed two svarim of it. One is a Sefer Svi, which is relating to Masechet Sivamis. Meretz maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it. Sivamis and a Sefer Kameh foreshes on Kinen. Obviously, these are not two. Um, Learn um um for so to speak. So Rabbi Gutmacher writes that he's going to print one sefer of his own called Tzafnas Paneach, and 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 a fourth sefer called Shalom bePalmaliyos Shemayla. Tzafnas Paneach is a running commentary on the famous Gemaras in Baba Basra, the Galata Gemaras of Rab um where rebellion Gutmacher has a um, talks explains these Gemaras in a series of mamaram, and Shalom bePalmaliyos Shemayla is a various Theorists that are found in various Chalakim Shulchanach with the mechaber and the Ramah and he's Miyash of them in a halach of the confession now this Sefer um, in Askama he writes the greatness of his son and about him he was also a Talmud of for a short period of time but then he was sick, he was shvach so he ended up going back to learn by his father before he becomes a Rav eventually and interesting from the material which we're going to discuss shortly Turns out we there are various chuvas in, in some of the material that was printed discussing the hardships that he had. Um, um, he was not able to have children and Rebelli Gutmacher wanted him to divorce his his wife and there was a whole a lot of tumul about it. Very, very fascinating, interesting chuvas that probably would have been, if certain people probably would have censored them out but Rebelli um printed one um, of them, I mean, kept them in the collection. He had them, one of the letters he has a is about this topic with the Shaila Meshiv Very interesting material. Now, there's another one. Last uh, tidbit is that the that there was once the the Nachasvi. He didn't print it. He gave it to his children to print for their brother, brother brother-in-law, whatever. And it seems that there was some type of issue with Hilkheshemis. There was some type of printing error. And he also has a different shuva where he talks about that. um, Some type of issue that comes up. But basically, bottom line is that these are the only works that he prints in his lifetime shortly after he dies in, in the Vilna Shas and, and some of the Masechtas, the some Aris of his in Gemara, there's some Ha'aris of his in Mishnayis. In 1883, a very unique sefer of his called called Sukkah Shalom comes out, which we'll discuss um, perhaps at the end, which it which also it seems to be have been that was ready for print for in 1854. Okay. But anyway, this is the story of right immediately after his death. So if we, if we're saying that he dies in 1874, Pretty much, there's not so much of it, uh, this war, small work comes out in 1883. Afterwards, basically nothing about him. Um, okay, that's that. That's the first.
0: Okay, fine. So as we've discussed, people really enjoy how you go through the history, you know, when different sefarim of certain machabrim or ramassassim <laughs> you know, come to our attention. So what happened next? How many years was there nothing going on? And then when was this revival?
1: Okay, so interesting is, I'm not sure what triggered the revival, but in 1969, Rav Bramberger, who authored numerous biographies on Gadaylim, I mean, this is volume 24 of his books, he decided to write a book about Abel Yegutmacher. He wanted material about him, so he, he got access to the archive material that was found in Meisser of Cook, um, tons of manuscripts, they gave him full access, and he uses throughout his book, he quotes tons of material, chuvas and other um, information, letters, and... Um, Kvitloch even, and he writes the book from that. And already reading this book, you could already see that we're dealing with a, a, a very, very unique God, not the standard German paisik. Okay. Now, in 1979, Tyra starts coming out finally. So we're talking about almost a hundred years later. The first is his is his Tyran printed by Michael Shalaim. At the end, they put out four volumes of his Tyran Chass. In 18 in 1984, two massive volumes of Schut are printed. This was printed by Meister of Cook, which I mentioned was used by Bamberger. In 1990, the Sukkah Shalom was reissued, but this the, the new issue had a, another section called Mihtem which has material both from manuscripts, newspapers, and askamas, which we'll be discussing also. In 2005, a, a bunch of letters uh, between him and Rav Meisha Brambeger, who is the son of the Wurtzbeger Rav, which we'll also be discussing in Mitzvah Shem. And more recently, in the past 10 years, four volumes of his Drushus on Tyra have come out. With all this material today, we can properly begin to evaluate this great guy and see what he was so unique. We'll be discussing Amir Teshem shortly, and one more, an additional discovery in recent years, and then we'll be able to put this all in some proper context. Okay.
0: So you want to discuss now things he spoke about, Bechlalos, Pratim bring out so, some yeah, of the things he's yeah. talked about in his, in his, um, different
1: writings. Yeah. 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 That, that, so first we'll start with that. First, why Chagiga? So the answer is many times when you want to, um, I, many people, uh, f- friends of mine over the years have issued the following complaint. Sometimes, uh, someone finds material of a said Godel and they print it in a journal, but how is one supposed to remember uh, let's say They'll say you found the material of, of Godel X, Y, Z. And, um, but how are you supposed to remember when you get to that sugy or that masekta that it exists? There's no there's not proper indexes of this material. Similarly, sometimes they'll print four volumes of a chedushim of a said god such as Rebelli Gomacher. And but you'll open it up. Let's say here there's Tyre of Baba Basra. But it doesn't go from that face straight, organized every blot. There could be certain sugyas that he has, and there could be tons of blot there's nothing. So one decides to look at it. Nothing, 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 and then all this. But there's tons of material, so, and you get discouraged. So Chagiga, the mile of Chagiga is that there's a hundred pages of material of Rabbi Yagutmacher throughout the whole Masechta, both Agada, both Halacha, and he, he, t- fascinating material. So here's a Masechta that one could properly enjoy him, and without having to worry about it, when you're going to punk to open him up. If it's if he's going to have something to say or not, there's a good chance he's going to have something interesting to say. We see him being very into the Marsha, as is, as well known, his Rebbe Vega was also into the Marsha. He's very into dealing with the Tureyevim, but he does not shy away from Agadotog, which is, we know, as we're learning Chagiga now, there's a lot of Agadotug. Okay. Shortly, we'll discuss some specific things in the Sefer, but his tshuvas are also excellent, very thorough. He very, very carefully checked the sources when he wrote about the tshuvas. He's meirich to go through every prat, showing you how he reaches his conclusions very clearly he quotes Rishayim that were available to him, he uses Rishalmi, if he, if he needs to, um, if he shows throughout his work incredible expertise in the of Avram, dealing with being Medayik in different aspects of the Magen Avram, at one point he calls on the Paisik Achren, all complicated issues of Dal Shulchan Archa are represented in this chuvas. it's a nice amount of material, he corresponds with fellow Ashkenazi um just to mention the Xavakabala's has a few tshuvas in here, there's a lot with Rebekah Yvaygar, he deals with different shittas of Rebeki Vegar, discussing them, which we'll discuss. He also deals with, he also is in correspondence with Galitzi such as the Shalamisha. There's a bunch of chuvas, but Lita is also fairly represented. He has a chuva where he's busy being Mayash of a Birhagra Barichos. He has many times quoting both the Yadam and the Chachmas Adam, the Nishmas Adam. He has numerous chuvas with the great Litvash Gadarubies' Hari Stern. So he's with he's with everyone. Now, various people claim that he was influenced by Hasidish Iswaram. And we'll see why there could be muckam for such a claim, but I do not find beforeish open such um open proof for such a thing yet, but it could be it exists. He does quote a In in his work, I'll tell you, I found one place that he does quote openly the Tanya, but not much more than that. But there's not a proper index of his material. It could be a proper index of the of the Tyra on one. will find more um open Makiris. It could be people that know chasish m'kairis well could be they could see oh this is really uh based on it it could be but anyway be that as it may he kept his chuvas very organized he kept he kept drafts and he had dates on them which many chubas farm don't have dates so a lot of times you could get perspective from the dates also he keeps most of the names in there now he clearly kept these chuvas, it's clear to because he was planning on doing that it should be printed maybe he wasn't going to print it but he wanted it to be printed so much so that in one fascinating, one very interesting tshuva, we don't even know to the extent of how interesting it is, someone wrote him, it seems this person was over various averis, and he was asking Rabbi what how to do tshuva for these things. So so writes, I'm ripping up your letter so that no one should know what you did, but here I'm keeping what I tell you, the tshuva, that you should do by from clearly for averis. But Obviously, it sounds like some, but anyway, the point is he was keeping it for it to be printed. Okay, more specifically, to quote some ideas that are found in the actual Sefer, so in the Tshuva, there's a fascinating Lashon, um, uh, I found fascinating in, in a conversation about Hilchus Kiddish that came up, so he talks about, which is also a, a very, a, a very big topic that one could be meyerch a lot, about forget, about forgetting and so he writes like this, he says, it must be, he was knowing a certain thing, and then it turns out he made a mistake. He, he's Mavar later on that he made a mistake. So he says, maybe, when I learned to sugya, and when I, I came to this this and this conclusion, and I and I must have forgotten that I came to the wrong, I, I, I forgot, I thought I came to this conclusion, it turns out I'm wrong. And he says, it's not a big deal. Shikha, um is possible even by Malachi Elyon. He says, look at the Rambam. Even the Rambam writes in the Tshuvah of Chachemilunil, with, the, his, with his Maso Matan back to them, that he forgot sources. He forgot, the Ramam himself wrote, he forgot his Makairis. So he also could forget. It could be, now, some people, when you hear such a thing, I'm not going to go into the parichos but I have written a lot about it also, they they don't like to hear that a Gadol could forget. Here we have open, Rabel Gutmacher is admitting that at least he was able to forget. Okay. um Another very interesting thing um is... People always talk about the Savas or Chasid. Um, if you have to and the amount of literature and Svarm written on Tavaz Rabida Chasid is 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 literally incredible. So he, when he talks about the Savas Rebid he brings down the famous Shuvah's Nag Mihuda. And Lamaisa, he also comes to the conclusion similar to Mihuda that and he and he says he himself was Nayig with one of his children. They were not makbid on the Tavaz <laughs> I found that very interesting, as we're going to see um, soon through the presentation, that he was very into, Kab- into Kabbalah. So it's, it's a sort of a Chiddush. Okay. He has a chuva where he talks about the Psalmim Reish, fam- the famous Psalmim Reish. He has an interesting. Um, hold on. The way he gets to it. Well, let me just see where I put it. Uh, interesting question of a, of a, of a person, it seems a person who was a a, a regular normal person in this kahila, Um in, a, in, a, in the kehila where this person was part of, suddenly they find he disappeared, it turns out he must have had some sort of a breakdown, and he locks himself up, and they, they caught him, it seems he tried to commit suicide, but in the end, they saved this person. So the question is, had- in the Holocaust, the, the best way to illustrate it is sometimes if, if people are under crazy, crazy pressure and they were forced, they just couldn't handle it anymore, so the, so it, it comes out from a, from this famous su- truth, Psalm Reich, that we don't look at it as as, as, a, as someone committing suicide. Many people had problems with this particular chuva this particular chuva sparked its own debates, besides that, safer, but anyway, he brings it down, and what's one of his riots when he talks about it? He says, not only is it brought down, but it's brought down by my Rebbe, Rebbe Kiveger, which is known that re- people bring down, Rebbe Kiveger brings down the psalm Reich. so it can't be that the psalm Reich is a forgery. Okay, anyway, um, and another chuva, another bibliographical point is he quotes a safer Makir Minhagen from his student. And what, what's going on over here? So the so in a, elsewhere, it turns out in the newspapers, there's a whole article, Rebellion Gutmacher defends his student because there's was, was a big debate, and this debate is still going on until recent years about the authorship of the safer Makari Minhagen. The, a safer came out, and then someone claimed that it was really his, it was stolen, and what it, it, till today people debate about it, each one each group try, not because anyone has agendas just trying to prove who was the author of the safer what i have not really seen quoted is Rebellion gutmacher says that the author is his student and he knows that he didn't plagiarize and it's him and the the it was pla- let me say someone did plagiarize the safer but he plays a, he he takes a side in this Machloikis in the newspapers at the time um, okay, that's another thing. Another chuva which comes up, and he talks about it in a few places is deaf people already in those in that period of time. Deaf people, which relates to chagiga a little bit, um, where they learned how to talk. How does it play out in halacha? So interesting already in those days when this is um, coming up. Okay. Anyway, um, these are just some of the very small. As I said, the, there's a, a yam of of material here to properly. Um, mention all the different things it would take forever and I have Rahman I do have Rahmanas, so I'm not going to. But um this these are just some of the some of the very, very small little um I like to call them pitchivkas that I, I've come across as I look through these look through these chubas and shortly we'll discuss a few a few more. Okay. Ad um, about what we see in the actual safe.
0: Okay, you mentioned the uh, so we had Rabbi Shachatavitz from Baltimore gave oh. Shireman Oldaf specifically um, he's someone who's who spent a lot of time you know he actually wrote some Kutrasim, on cochlear implants and cherish mm-hmm. and halacha so go check those out um, oh, okay fine so now you want to get back and discuss you mentioned that he was a at least that you did called him that you did. was there anything more that he had more of a shachas Rabbi and other people of that of the day that are worth talking about
1: Right, so I'm gonna. The main thing I want to focus on is with uh, right now is a little bit more about with him and Rebbe Okay, so to start with is that there was. It seems there was a, a big shaila in those days. Um, this is about on Pesach. I guess they had a way to make schnapps, and it seems some um to, uh, some form of making schnapps that some people held as a problem of chametz, and other people held it's not a problem of chametz. Rebecki Vegar for some reason was very strong and held it's a problem. There's no ways around it. You cannot have this on Pesach. Okay. And he wrote about it. And we have Tuvas about it from Rebecca Veger. It seems afterwards, after he dies, they they um I guess maybe they felt they fixed up the issues that Rebecca Veger had. And they asked Rebelli Gutmacher about it. And Rebel Yugutmacher very, very carefully is Modaic in every word of what Rebecki Veger says, and he comes out to be Makel. And and but we see he's how he's so being mitiaches to everything that his Rebbe Rebbe Vegar says. How to deal with it? The Maisa Rebbe Kiveger's son, his friend Reb Schleimager, and Rebelli Rebbe friend, friend Reb Schleimager does not says no. My father held um, he, he would not have agreed with all these different things. And okay, but you see, what what was interesting in the whole deal is the shyness back and forth. How he um, is mitiaches his, his his yichus with his with the Rebbe Kiveger. In another tshuva, he has, which which it comes up at a yom often enough in the tshuva near in which is it gets into the topic of what is one allowed to teach a ger, which halakim of Tyre is one allowed to teach a ger, which also is a sugya relating to in Chagiga. And in the course of this tshuva, at one point someone brings up a Rebuki Vegar about it, and he, and he doesn't want to argue with Rebuki Vegar, but in the end he does argue with Rebuki Vega and you see again how he's being very careful. Now, he says, I'm not going to really just come out and argue, even though he has his reasons why, from the Sugius, why he argues on Rebuki Vegar, but he says, not only that, I'll be cl- um, cl- um, he finds a Shulte Bayram, which already, based on a Bayram it would be okay for him it says like him, and he says, "I'm clear. If my rebbe would have it, it could be he would say otherwise. He would he would agree with me." Now, what what's this relate? What does this relate to? If one could teach, um, what as I said, it's the question is what could one teach a um, a ger before he actually is Magyar? So his conclusion is that tyra that that neviim and suvim will be mutter. That's his conclusion, and. When it talks about Torah, it's referring to mitzvahs. The problem to teach a, a, a guy Torah is referring to specifically mitzvahs, and he brings a very interesting raya. Could be others bring this raya, but he talks about that in the beginning of Chumash Berachos until until partial into Shemais. We find that it's not really about. There's no, there's not mitzv- there's no myths. What is it? It's really the sipurim of the nisim and the B'riyasa Eilam and the story with the, with the avais, etc. How do we know this? We have Rashi in the mamish one, the fir- the first Rashi, which everyone loves to talk about for some reason or other. That so he says from here we see, he wants to deduce from this Rashi also as a proof. That we see that how the guy is going to know this. So it seems that until until the parish of Chayish Chayish that will be mutter for a guy to know about. So basically, to teach a ger, neviim, um, suvim, or chumish barachis and shemais would be mutter. This is his chidush. Obviously, this is there's a lot to talk about over here because kiadua. Um, there's a lot. There, there is a lot of um, halacha that is able to be learned out of Chumash Braces until this point, a lot to talk about. But mekitzar, I just want to show interesting, uh, like an interesting way how he thinks. In, it's obviously a tshuva with a few pages, and and to deal with it. But this is one prat in the tshuva. Okay. Anyway, we. But I, what's clear is throughout his writings, he has tremendous, tremendous cover for Bekeveira, Tre- tremendous cover. So I want to just quote two small things, and then we'll move on, uh, relating to this also. So I, I mentioned that one of this farm that was put out is this, is called Michtav Melio, and it's a collection of A, material from letters, manuscripts, and stuff that was printed by Chayev. So one such piece is that he talks about, um, he says like this, when he talks about Rebbe vega hold on, when he talks about, someone wrote a safer. And in the Sefer, it seems the person is miyashiv, questions of Rebbe Ki-Veger. So there's a lot of legendary stories about these types of things. Some people say, how could he be miyashiv, Rebbe questions? Here you have Rebbe Gutmacher, Talmud of Rebbe Ki-Veger, says no. Adarabah, it's not a Khalila and it's not a gear and it's covered. if he ki will want us to answer his questions, and even and and the fact that this person wants to try to answer it, it's not a problem, and he's willing to He's not. he doesn't have any problems that this person went out to answer up Rabbi questions, which I found very interesting because always in yeshiva, I always used to hear different people um, I guess it's some type of, of yeshiva lore that uh, has v'shalom to answer Rabbi questions, and if Rabbi couldn't come up with the answer, then there's no answers, but this is what Rebbe Lugot Mecha writes Okay, but Furthermore, he also writes, one second, one other lashon. He says that the he says about the galus of which there's other sources that that also say this. where Kivayi had yisurim his whole life, and he learned with great yisurim. So he says, there's a meyer when you learn from his svarim, where you have them svarim in his house, it's a meyer for a person um, to learn from them. This is this he writes when they wanted to print over Rebbe Kivayi's on Chaysh this is also a tremendous, um, powerful statement about Rebbe Ki-Vega. Okay. Now, learning, in uh, um, learning, uh, just to conclude this part with one last Nekuda, Chag- again relating to Shadushim and Chagiga. So in Chagiga, in one of the pieces, so he talks about, I found that I'm, I'm going through the uh, Rebelli Gotmacher, and I come across interesting interesting... Um, I'm going to mark it off. Give me a second. Uh, interesting discussion, which he talks about, uh, Arichos. And in, co- in the course of this discussion, he says as follows. Um, he talks about the Matargim Ha'an Ashkenazi. That he, um, and then he talks about him, that he, the, one of the problems is that he made the Tyra accessible to Gaim, which is problematic. And then he talks about something specifically in the Translation of this of this targum Ashkenazi, and then he says lemaisa, and then he brings down a whole shkal from the son about it, and he basically what he wants to talk about is similar. Is, it, uh, is this is, was um, this targum Ashkenazi was he over on the aspect of making Torah available to gaia, which we just mentioned that and which is relating into chagiga, to teach tyre to gaia. Okay. So the question is, who was this Metagen Ashkenazi? What's going on here? So turns out, this Metagen Ashkenazi he's referring to is Mendelssohn. Okay, he's referring to Mendelssohn. Turns out, um, again, just just um, very 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 bekitzer. The there was a fellow; he's still alive, named Mayer Hilzenheimer. He wrote extensively about the uh, the German Gedalim and the usage of Mendelssohn. And he shows documents that many, many G'daylem in the Germ- German G'daylem, which is significant, but we're not going to get into why it's so significant, they quote Mendelssohn Kesseder. One such gadol, he says in the manuscripts going through of Rebbe Gutmacher, over 20 times he quotes Mendelssohn's beer. But furthermore, is Rebbe Kiva Eiger, two things, Rebbe Kive, so what I'm adding to the story is, and which also I know about it also, besides for seeing it myself, but this guy mentions it also, is Rebbe also does such a thing. One is he gives a skama to one of the editions of Mendelssohn's beer that comes down to the 1830s, um, a later edition, but it has the beer of Mendelssohn in it and he knows about it. And in the in a fight, in the controversies with the Reform, Rebbe Kiv quotes in, in, a, in a piece of a tshuva the beer of Mendelssohn. So it's not so unique that we have over here Rebbe Gutmacher quoting The beer of Mendelssohn. What's shot in this? Obviously, this is a riches gadol, and we're not here to. We're we're actually trying to keep it to a normal amount of time. Arkan, These are some of the things that we have that um, with the relationship with his with Iger on the level of regular nigla dika and halacha dika things. Their relationship, his yachas with him, and and we see over here a very interesting thing in Bichlau, even though he's a tremendous, tremendous. Chassid, so to speak, of Rabbi Kiviger, he held that, that Rabbi also would hold that it's not a problem to argue as long as it's substan- as long as it's based on something. Okay, how can this
0: Okay, well, wow. fascinating, fascinating. Seems like you go on and on and on and on and on. Okay, so you mentioned nigla. That means that there must be things that are come also. Good Gutmacher. is involved in Kabbalah. Okay. I know you mentioned that chassidus. Um, you haven't found, but we have to mention, obviously, if people, you know, the audience wants to send you McCurtis email. Please, please we definitely email. Should. Certainly should. Okay, so um, how about you want to discuss his involvement in Kabbalah, Kvitlach, and things like that?
1: Okay, so let now I would like to conclude with one last chalik with with Rebelli Gutmacher and this will be able to put a little bit um, uh, put a lot of things that we mentioned up till now in deeper context. those files as follows. There's a claim that was made I've seen I see it in, in various writings about about Rebellia Gutmacher that he saw Rebbe Kivaeger's um Zayar, Zaarus and Zaya, and that sparked him to learn Kabbalah or something. I've yet to find if Rebbe where where this came from. Um, where he's supposed to say this, but it could be it exists because there's many manuscripts, as I said. But he does quote in a different place, in his Chidusha Manchas that he saw the Agais of Rabbi Ki-Veger on his riff, so, and he quotes a piece from that he saw there. But about the Zayar, I don't know. However, Rabbi Ki-Veger and the Zayar, we do find, the Mashalite, just looking in the first Parak and brachas, so Rabbi Ki-Veger quotes the Zayar a few times, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, so much. Um, it doesn't mean that he's a Makubal or not. But further evidence about Rebbe Kiva Eiger, I'm trying to go in order, is Rebbe Kiva Eiger being a makubal can be found in Rabbi Yosef Avivi's masterpiece on Darizal. He brings down that there's a Moiris Nassen from the Nassen Shapiro Xaviah that was we know was in the in possession of Rebbe Kiva Eiger, and it has Hagoyis in the handwriting of Rebbe Kiva Eiger on the side. Okay, but more than that, we don't really know what Rebbe Kiva Eiger's Yachas the Kabbalah was. It could very well be it was hidden. There is one interesting source about this, about Rabbi Kiviger that would show some type of yachas with Kabbalah. There's two. There's, sorry, there's three different sources that I like to mention with Rabbi Kiviger's yachas with Kabbalah, and that will lead us to Rabbi Gutmacher Number one is found in a. Hold on. We find a few places where Rabbi Kiviger has some kameyas, we find um, some segulas of Rebbe Kiviger, but again, heavy-duty Kabbalah uh, it doesn't mean that, that he wasn't into it. We just don't have it. It could be he kept it hidden. There's an autobiography of a fellow that learned by both Rebbe Vegar and he also learned by Rebbe Yigal This fellow he he describes meeting Rebbe Vegar the first time, and he wrote and he writes his files. He comes into the house, where Rebbe Vegar is sitting. He sees an old man, and Oh, above the head of Rabbi Kiva Eger, he says, there was a stag's head filled with shamos over the private door of this world-famed teacher. I trembled in every limb. I really imagined it and glared at me. Okay. Now, it seems is that there was shamos that somehow came from Rabbi Naftali, and Rabbi Kiva Eger checked them out, and he saw them. And this is a autobiography that this person learned by Ricky is saying over, he's seeing it. Now it's been printed, this autobiographical piece, which is coming from an English book of someone that learned by Brickie Weger, was printed in Hebrew in, in the beautiful edition of Inger Sir Bicke-Nager, but they don't say where they got the whole um, piece from, from this English book. Okay, I don't know why not, but um, bottom line is that there's something to do with Kabbalah, and I said there's a few they collected over the years a few different Kameus of but, but what does that have to do with Rebellion Gutmacher? So Rebellion Gutmacher, it seems when you look, when you look, if you Google him, you'll see that a lot of times in auctions, they auction off Kameus from Rebellion Gutmacher. It comes up all the time. Rebellion Gutmacher, a German goddle Kameus, what's going on? Is it a fake? Is it real? Okay. Now, from looking through his chuvus and looking through his material, we could see there we, that that Ravely Gutman was a completely different. He was a he was Mamush, a, a different type of person than we I think. Mamish could be uh, more closely associated with Hasidim. Lamashal, in his recent work that was printed on Bamidbar, he has two pages barichas, about his what kavanas he had when he would go into the mikvah. Two pages of Kabbalah. Um, in his svarim throughout, we see incredible We do see by him incredible knowledge. In Kabbalah, in Arizal, and all different types of things, he even used it with Halacha. But more than that, one of the only tshuvas of his that was printed, probably the earliest tshuva that was actually printed from his, was printed in the back of a, a booklet called Zichron Shleima in 1923. And this in 1933, sorry. And in this tshuva, somehow he was upset about um, that there was a there was a shul without a proper machitza, and I think he told off the rav. That it's not proper, and the Rav didn't listen, the, whatever. And basically, it says he he Reb Eliezer describes in this tshuva that basically after the shul was renovated, it collapses, and he and this Rav dies in the middle of his drasha, a drasha mishuna. Okay, so again, if we were a Hasidim, we would automatically associate that there's something has to do with. You know that he didn't listen to Rebellion Gutmacher telling him. Rebely Gutmacher is the one recording this story, but he don't, he doesn't say that that's why it happened. Okay. Anyway, when you um, I mentioned that there's letters between Rebelli Gutmacher and Ramaisha Baumgert. In these letters, all of a sudden, I start I'm, I start going through these letters, and I see. He he's constantly he asks more than once Rebellion Gutmacher to please write for me a kameya, and Rebellion Gutmacher writes back to him. It's not so posh to write it, I have to have the right frame of mind, it takes, it's not, you can't just write it, but, but, the point is, it it comes up time and time again, (laughs) and he does write him Kameis, but it comes, but we're talking about two German G'daylam, we're not talking about two Chassidus Um, we're talking, that's what I'm trying to emphasize, okay, I guess I get my, I guess my point is clear, now, there's a true, There's a letter between Ramesha Bamberger and Rabbi Gutmacher about the skula, when you look at the Kais of Abdullah, a page about that. And looking through some, again, not all the letters are about this, but some of the letters are. There's more, which, there's a whole letter about Rikos, about dreams, how to interpret dreams. Um, something that I guess, if I showed it to a chassid, there's a skula about kishof, a whole discussion, a page and a, a pa- almost a page. If I showed this to a chassid and I would tell him, that a German is having this type of uh, letters back and forth, two German they'd be shocked. Uh, the Germans in the Hasidic world, especially, they have a saga, Hasidim, um, that Germans are very cult, but here we have two German writing back and forth Chameis about um, Camaeus, about Kabbaldika stuff. Okay, but okay, but but this is not so, okay, big deal, not so much. What happens? I said, so first I said is that if you look around and you Google Rebellion, you'll see a lot of times his name comes up for for um, kve- Kvitlach of his. Kvitlach of his. Okay. A fascinating thing happens. In 1932, a group of people discovered in an attic in the Kehila where Rebelli Gutmacher was almost 7,000 Kvitlach of Rebelli Gutmacher. Not 10 Kvitlach, not 15 Kvitlach. 7,000 Kvitlach that were written to Rebelli Gutmacher. That's an incredible amount. There is Just to understand this in perspective, there is no... Kvitlach that exists of almost any rebbe today of previous gedolim. Now it could be, just like everything else, Baruch Hashem, we live in a generation. There's a sefer called Hilchas Kvitl, so you have to check up the halachas of a kvitl. But in in, in Hilchas Kvitl, it seems you're not supposed to keep kvitlach. But it's all based on um, the makiras of the sefer. Is is Yesh a, a lot about it? We won't get into it. But here we have seven thousand kvitlach that Rebellion Yub- Gutmacher clearly kept what are we going to see from these kfitluch we're going to discuss in a moment so first um, there's a fellow, not Jewish his name is Marcin Wodinski he wrote a book called Historical Atlas of Hasidim and he analyzes where all these kfitlech are coming from, the cities in this book um, where these kfitluch are coming from now more now these kfitluch today exist There uh, many of them are in YIVO and others are found in Hebrew University you, you could see some of them online um, um, of these kfitlech so someone went, an uh, 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 academic person, and he went, and he went to try to analyze some of the stuff that we could see from this, from these kvitlach. Because you, because you have to understand, when a person wrote a kvitlach in those days, they assume no one's going to see these kvitlachs, Only the person who it's being sent to, the Hainu rebel, you So they are very open in these letters, and everything, every aspect of life is discussed in these kvitlach. They could write a whole page barichos about whatever problems they're having, and we see. Incredible insight historically of what's going on in those in in those days. This is the 1870s. Now it's not clear if these are seven thousand. That's all he received, or this is from a short period of time, because we know, and he he writes this constantly that he's constantly being swamped with material. People are asking him questions, and people are sending so much so that he took out an ad in the newspaper asking people to stop sending him kvitlach, because there was so much, the post office was complaining to him that they're not able to handle the volume of material that's coming to him. Now, besides for all the chubas that are also coming to him, and stamp letters, which we see, just look at Ramesha Bamberger. This has tons of letters back and forth. The manuscripts also show tons of letters, correspondences with tons of gedolim, he's involved in many different things. There's also kvitluch coming in by the tons. And he stops, but it doesn't really help. Um, this is in the newspapers in those times. You could see the newspaper article, Seeing is Believing. But at that time, when someone reads that newspaper, they don't know what, what's going on. What is it talking about? Kvitlach coming, that. But 1932, many years afterwards, and we have them today, we see at least 7,000 such kfitluch. No, There's no such thing existing from any Rebbe today. Okay, now, what, so what do we see from these Kvitlach? Okay, so I'm just going to mention very briefly two, uh, two, three things, and then we'll be able to see a little bit more about it. How this even started? Uh, how the, why do people start sending him Kvitlach? He's a he's a German person, a German talmud chacham. He's not a rebel. He doesn't have tish. He doesn't have chasidim. What's up is they sending him Kvitlach. So there's a book called Yankel's Tavern: Jews, Liquor, and Life in the Kingdom of Poland. Okay, so this book talks about um, Jews and, as I just mentioned, all these aspects. So people, I don't know, I, I Sometimes read, there's a magazine that comes out weekly called the Mishpacha. And in recent uh, months, there's been discussion about drinking and people have problems with drinking and that. So the question is was this a new problem or an old problem? You open up this book and you'll see that this is an old problem. Jews and being drunk and drinking also existed earlier on. Without, I'm, I have no intention of getting into this right now, but there's a lot to say about it. But in the Kvitlach of Rebellion Gutmacher, women wrote into him, My husband's a drunk please help he was a great guy and then he started drinking alcohol please help him get back onto his way to the proper way There's not one such kfitl, at least 10 12 that he that he prints they didn't they didn't go through all 12,000 anyway we see that what happens always happens okay anyway what else do we see from these fitluh so this the um they asked Many times, people always heard these stories that Jews were the ta- on the taverns, but and what happened is the guy didn't pay up. We see from these these people were complaining about it, that the guy are taking over my business, and they're not paying, and I'm having tsaris, and everything. He analyzes, he's able to see from the various amounts, ma- what people were doing, what the debts that the guy Taka owed them, because they're complaining to him, they're asking him to do some type of maifas to help it. Now. Interestingly enough, in at least more than one, they, they sort of like, could you get rid of my enemy? Get rid of my enemy? Because the guy is causing problems. Pretty much do some type of Kabbalah to make him disappear, so to speak. But all this is found in these thousand Kvitlach and then some. There's much, much more going on in these Kvitlach. Okay. Now, after you see this, that you see we have this person, so there's two questions that need to be asked. One is, how does this happen? How does he become known as a Balmifis? Okay, so the answer is that Rebelli Gutmacher himself tells us, and, he, and in eighteen, I mentioned what sefer did he print in his lifetime, the Sefer Tzafnas Paneh. incredible sefer. It deals with the Gemara of Rab and he was known about Kabbalah. Even he writes about that. Ga'im even found out that he's great to Kabbalah, and he had all. He talks about Ga'im and Kabbalah. He's not a, he's not pro it at all, but he talks about it. And then he had in the first Maimer already he talks about Kabbalah mysias and if it's mutter to Davin, uh, or, or say Kabbalah, or do say tefillais to get rid of one's enemies, and I'm reading this simon and this is a simon relating to Suggius and Brachas and other places in Shas, and there's lots of me about this, it's a, a very big topic and it's very interesting, what's going on over here, why is he talking about this like in Simon Aleph in his Mimer, but when you see this, some of the kfilach that people are asking, you can understand, because some of the kfilach people really were asking him this if one could down for the enemies, now when one learns through Kabbalah Svaram, misa swarum, kabal school type Svaram, one will see many times that there are kidlach how to get rid of enemies, how to get rid of robbers had to die. So it's understood now with what he was being asked why he's dealing with it in a hallachika sense. Okay. Anyway, that's in the first Maimur in the Then he talks about we're, we're reaching towards the end. He talks about um how does he become known? How does, why all of a sudden do people start sending him Fitluch? So he writes in the Tafras Baneach. He's sitting with Talmidim, he's learning. And someone brings him, a, a young a father brings his son, 11-year-old child. And basically he says this son, um, no one knows what's going on with him. He Sometimes he acts like, um, he, a voice like a door comes out. Sometimes like a cow. And all different types of things without getting tarichas, and no one has pashut He's complaining about um problems from his stomach, and no one knows what to do with him. He says, "So really good." Says, "I have nothing to do. I'm I'm not a doctor. There's nothing I can do about it either." He Says, "Okay, you know what? Maybe I'll be able to do something." So he takes the sefer to heal and I say to heal him with great kavana, and nothing happens. Okay. But he says, leave him here, and the father leaves the son here, and a few, um, he did it a few times, nothing happens. One day he comes back from a ben, and he says, maybe I'll be able to be paid to him, just like, this. and he says, Kapitok and Lamaiso, the son gets back to normal. And it becomes a, a, myriad, a um, everyone's mamish nispol, and he describes at length what happens, which is similar to stories that many people have heard or read, where, um, um, different, I guess, for uh, um, things come out of the this kid, has mach- mach come out, and they um, all different types of, I guess, uh, similar stories that people hear about with dibukim. This is pretty much what's happening. But the pro- the nakuda over here is this is Rebel Yigut writing this himself, describing what happened in his, what with his yeshiva bacher. But he keeps on saying he's not a makubel. He he doesn't he doesn't know he's he just. Did what he did was is regular Philos with great kavanah. That's so what he keeps on emphasizing and, le- and learning. He keeps on emphasizing that also. It seems from this he became known more and more as a great mekubel, and then people just started sending him kfitluch, and more and more. And as I said, the mail got flooded. And He, he has another, he talks about another story over here in the Tzapras Paneach. This is a Maimertes. And pretty much because of all this, he now in his work on Chagiga he talks about Barichos, about the Kayach of the tzadet. And we find Rebbe Veger even da- asking him to daven. Rebbe Schleimager asks him to daven, and we find that he, he had this as I wrote to you with Ramiya Bamberger. But we see him. What I'm, what I'm trying to bring out from all this is that he was a. He, he writes about what happened, the success, and the success. It, it became famous even though he's use, he's trying to make it as natural as possible, and he even uses a Lashon. He says, It's Chaval that Apikarsim were not standing here, because if they would see it, they would be able to understand what it means, that there are things beyond Teva. He, he himself can't even understand what's going on, he's saying. Okay. Anyway, Ad Khan, this is the point, that he becomes this major, he, we have here a case of a non-Hasidic person who becomes a Rebbe. From all over the world, the are coming to him. They survived, They exist till today. Thousands of them. This fascinating Jewish history that one could see, and we see him in, in, with all this and uh, putting together. We can understand um, why we find in his trivis a lot of inyanim of Kabbalah discussions, in um, inyanim of bais and his safer suka shalim also discusses with how to deal with life after death, how to do chesed for a dead for a dead person, for parents, so to speak, and he talks about it in a like concept, but using Kabbalah, and that's why in his other svarim something it's not so. It's, a, it's sort of a Chiddush, because people don't really, we don't really find so commonly that a German Gadol, to be such a gruesome a Qubel, that's why certain people think he's a chassid. But here we have a great Talmud of Rebbe ki Possibly he might have gotten some of this from Rebbe ki but here we have him playing in this, um, I guess we have a German non-Chassidic who was famous in his lifetime, and as I said, even though there was many years that he became forgotten, but in recent years we have all his Tyra, Nigla, Nistar, and these Kvitlach, which make him put him in an interesting light, um, Adkan. <laughs>